welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. We have a good topic today. Um, today's topic, Dr. Daniels, is, I, I don't know how to phrase it in an actual topic, mm-hmm. but you had asked me, like, what um, issues with text have you had in scripture? I said, not so much um, the text, but it was really how... Um, lack of better terms, how ruthless God has been at some times in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. And it's like he would go a time frame where it's all these wars going on and he's wiping out or giving instructions to people to wipe out a whole section of people. Mm-hmm. You know, a whole city be wiped out. Like mm-hmm. from even Sodom and Gomorrah to um, other countless other cities like in, in Judges where the leaders from Israel go through and just you know, take mm-hmm. out people. Mm-hmm. And we had talked about um, Samson and he got embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You know, he took the, the strength that God gave him mm-hmm. and used it to kill 30 people. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, why does God allow some of these things to happen when he's all powerful? Okay, well, let's, let's put it in context, first of all. So, so there are two things you look at. You know, one would be, as you mentioned, like with the 30. So one would be, why does it, if we have a loving God, does he allow bad things to happen to people that may or that we consider that don't deserve something bad to happen to them? Okay. The other thing is the time frame and, and, and why would in some cases he allow the Israelites to plunder cities? Well, what you have to look at is what is the overall objective? You know, the, the time when you see the Israelites constantly at war, it is not because God is trying to punish a group of people. It is because the Israelites are defending themselves and that people are constantly coming against them. So they have no choice but to defend themselves. And they have to defend themselves to the point where people will stop coming against them. It's like if, if you're the new guy at school, let's say. Right, right. If you're the new guy at school and, 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 and people will challenge you, and they will keep challenging you until you beat enough people that somebody says, okay, we better leave this guy alone. And, and, that, and that's kind of what happened in, in, in their case. And, and, and so they ha- had to keep doing that. Uh, and now once they had done that, then of course, you know, people back away and they, they give you a break until a new group of people come on the scene that don't know who, you know, don't know your reputation. Right. And then you go through the process over and over again. Uh, so that, that, that's, that's one case. The other case is when you have, when, when they have been given land by God and God says, okay, go and possess the land. Right. And so in order to possess the land, you got to take the land. So of course, that, that's the other case. Uh, but let's go to the first case we talked about first, because I think that's what a lot of, what will resonate with a lot of the people listening, which is why, why does God allow things to happen to people, what we consider bad things, when they may not quite deserve it. So then that would be, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do bad things happen to people that we think don't deserve it to happen to them? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, you know, I guess the short answer would be is that we, what we call bad is not always bad, <laughs> number one. And so the thing would be, what is the end result of what is going on? You know, what, what is God, what, what's happening within that realm of what people are dealing with? Um, 
from a biblical standpoint, you know, for example, um, if you look at like uh, one of the uh, pillars of the Bible um, who went into captivity, he goes into captivity as a young man, but he comes out second in command of Egypt. So while he's in prison, I'm sure everyone assumes that's a bad thing happening to him. Right. But when he comes out of prison, he's second in command of Egypt. So he's allowed to go through that to get to where he is. You know, there's an old saying, no pain, no gain. And so, you know, it, it is not so much that God is um, cruel or ruthless and just saying, well, I want to see your demise. It's that God knows his people better than we know his people. Right. Uh, like, you know, I guess the question would be, how, how often have you spanked any of your children? Yeah, many. Now, um, let's say that your children have friends living next door and they see you spanking them. Are they going to think that you were justified in spanking them? <laughs> Probably not. Is it? Yeah. No, they're not. Right. Because because they're seeing things through a child's eyes. Right. And so the child is looking at you spanking it and saying, why, as big as he is, is he whipping on that little boy, you right. know, kind right. of deal. So from their perspective, something bad is happening to your son. And, and in their eyes, you know, he's, he's, he's a pretty good kid. Why? Because to them, he's a good kid. Because right. they play with him. And so their perspective is, why is something bad happening to them? Mm-hmm. Now, and they may view you as being ruthless. <laughs> Right. Right. But you knew that you were doing it to correct, you know, him and or maybe you're making him do homework, let's say. Right. You know, and so he cannot go out and play. And the other the little other kids in the neighborhood, like you got a harsh dad, you know, and they're looking at it as something bad happening. But what's bad is really for his benefit. He doesn't see it now, but he will later on. Yeah. So that, that, I mean, that, that really makes a lot of sense when you look at it from that perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just strange. And that's why I was telling you, when you read through the Bible, it is, especially if you're reading straight through, mm-hmm. you kind of see it a lot, you know, the, the correction. And we talked about before, like, it seemed like years would go by and then the Israelites would just start straying away. And then he's got to come back. He sends somebody down or he talks directly to, uh, to somebody, you know, God being talking to somebody and to get them back on the path. But mm-hmm. what, what is interesting is every time he gets them back on the, the right path, mm-hmm. it seems like other people suffer, too, for them being out of the, you know, out of the path. Because if you're if you're if if the Israelites like Philistines, you know, for, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. if they start conforming to their ways and God is telling them you should not be doing this. Mm-hmm. And then when they do that, but then to correct them, they end up killing some Philistines. Well, look at it a different way. Look at it a different way. Again, I'll use your, I'll use your child as an example. Mm-hmm. Let's say your child um, becomes a teenager, right? You And, and why he was three years old up to 10 years old, everything was fine. At 10 years old, he starts to change a little bit. By the time he becomes 14, now he starts to like girls. He starts mm-hmm. to like, you know, being big man on campus. Right, right. And so he starts hanging around with a group of people that are thuggish in nature because that's who the girls are attracted to. Right. 
now. And so one day, you know, you told him, hey, listen, you can't have any company over my house. Right. No one can come over my house. Now, you, and, 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 and I don't want you to be driving my car or anything like that. All right. 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 You come home one day, your car is missing. Okay. Now, when you hear where your car is, the guys that you told your son not to hang around with are in the car. And one of them is driving the car. And your son is in the back seat. You know, he's drinking and has a girl and so forth and so on. Do you say to yourself that my son um, should not be punished and I'm just going to bring him back home? And the other boys that assisted him in stealing your car <laughs> should not be punished. Right. And I'm going to just let them go. Or do you tell the police, lock them up? Right. Now, when they lock all of them up, who do you bail out? I bail out my son. Right. You bail out your son. But the other ones don't get bailed out. It's up to their parents to come and get them. Right. And you never think to yourself, well, th- my son helped them get the car. Right. That's not how you think. Your thought process is they should have known better than steal my car, too. But you don't punish them. You punish your own son. And they get punished, but not by you. And it's the same thing with, with, you know, with the, the way um, you know, God operates. You know, I, I think for most of us, you know, no matter how righteous we are, we, we have a difficult time staying right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not hard to stay righteous, but it's hard to stay right. And so one of the problems with staying right is because we believe in our heart that we are above being wrong. And the moment you tell yourself you are above being wrong, that's when the devil has you. And that's when he can get you to do some things or say some things that will have you hanging out with the wrong people right. or being influenced by the wrong people because you think you're above, you're above that, you know, you're above being influenced. And that's when things happen in your life where in your mind, it's like, well, I'm good. Why did this bad thing happen to me? But reality is, is that we're never as good as we think we are. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly those around us are never as good as we think they are. Right. And so that's, that's kind of where that comes from. You know, it's, it's not easy to see it when you're in the middle of it. Right. But it's easy to see it when you're standing back looking at it happen to somebody else. Yeah. So what's some of the ways that we can do, what, what can we do to help us grasp the, the grace or the correction that we get from God and understand, okay, I, I'm, let me get there. I'm straight now. Let me, but now, you know, you just got the whip and you're, you know, you're crying. Mm-hmm. What can, you know, and we know some people that get the whipping and never get back up. You're absolutely right. Um, the best thing we can do is to change our mindset about being adults. That, that's the best thing. It's because the minute you put yourself in a position where you think that because you're over 21, that means you're grown and you, deal, and you don't have to deal with your father, that puts you in a bad place. But we've got to remember that we call God our Heavenly Father for a reason. Right. Because He is our Father. And His parenthood does not go away. I don't care how old I get. So that's the first thing. Now, the Bible says we should treat God like we are children. You know, as a matter of fact, the Bible says, 
the only way to enter into heaven is to be like a little child, right? So what does that mean? That means as a little child, when a child is chastised, when you have a childlike heart, what you think about is how then can I go and please the parent so the parent won't be disappointed in me? And that's having a childlike heart. Mm-hmm. And when a child comes to you like that, you bend over backwards to lessen the pain they felt because of your chastisement, you know. Mm-hmm. But when we get grown, we don't do that. You're right. We do the opposite. We try to prove that we are independent and mm-hmm. prove that we are grown. When we get chastised by God, the thing to remember is this. Why would a God that loves us do something to purposely harm us? Why would he do anything to harm us? Just because it hurts doesn't mean it's harmful, mm-hmm. right? right? Just because the medicine tastes bad mm-hmm. doesn't mean it isn't good for you. Right. And so what we have to think about is, yes, it may be hurting right now, but pain doesn't mean harmful. Mm-hmm. Pain just is a part of punishment. So now my job is to say, how can I make my life pleasing to God more so? So whatever I, you know, if, if, the, the, if I find myself being chastised, then now what I need to be doing is saying, okay, let me give God what I know makes him happy. Let me give me more of what I know makes him happy so that he will make my punishment less painful and that he will lift me up quicker because mm-hmm. that demonstrates to him I've learned the lesson fast. Right. And that is a, that is a major um at least I can say for me, is, okay, things are going, not, not going too good. Mm-hmm. I need to make a change. Mm-hmm. What does he want me to do? And that's a huge question. Mm-hmm. It's a simple question to ask, but it's a huge, like the, the answer could be so deep you, don't, you, you, you might not even be ready for it. Mm-hmm. So how do we prepare ourselves for when we finally really truly answer that, ask that question? And we get an answer that we don't necessarily want to hear. Well, you know, let me say this. I think that the answer that we don't want to hear, we didn't want to hear before we asked the question. <laughs> right. And that's why we are where we are, is because <laughs> it's not like he hadn't been giving us the answer. It's that we have not been, we have not wanted to hear the answer. So we have not wanted to conform to what we know he wants us to do. You know, that's simplified for a second. Now, here's what we know the key components are to serving God. Key components, right? Worship, adoration, praise, and thanksgiving. We know those are the key components to making God happy. And we know that it's because we personally have those same likes. Mm-hmm. you know, of those that are under our guidance mm-hmm. right now. So what does that mean? If I know that those are the key components, right? If I know those are the key components, am I really doing those? Number one, worship the way the New Testament directs it. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of the saints, right? So that means that the Bible tells us that God wants us to come together for corporate worship. That's what that's saying. It says, forsake not the assembly of the saints. Now, in 2018, what we have decided is that the Bible was not um, forward-looking enough to anticipate uh, television, Facebook, and those kind of mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, we have said, well, 
if I, if I don't come together for worship, it's okay because God didn't know that there would come a time when we would have electronic means. Right. I don't know why we think that way, but that's how we think. But he meant what he said, right? It's just like you or me, even though I know I can talk to my child over the phone, I still like seeing them in person. Right. You know, I still like the idea of them coming together at family times. Now, if I calculate the number of hours there are in a day, and I calculate the number of hours, days there are in a week, and I do the simple math, right? And if my worship service is an hour and a half or two hours, then that means that, wow, in a week's time, I'm only, God is only asking me to give him a minuscule amount of worship time. Right. That's a small, small price, to, a small thing to do to please him, right? So I ask myself, am I really giving him the worship that he asked me, right? Mm -hmm. Am I really showing him adoration? In other words, um, we all want to be loved. Do I really love God the way he wants me to love him? Right? Is, that, is, do, is he first and foremost in my life? Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, most of us don't like to deal with that question because we don't like to put, uh, we don't like to put anything in front of us. Right. Right. That's right. Then, then we say, well, okay, um, am I really praising him the way he wants to be praised? Right. And, and, and so, you know, let me say this there's a distinction between worship and praise, right? Praise is what we do when someone has done something good, right? You praise a dog to get the dog to repeat a behavior. Mm -hmm. You praise a child to repeat good grades. Well, do we actually do that to God whenever we get something good from him? Mm -hmm. You know, do we do that? Well, thankfulness with God is about giving him demonstrating that you uh, appreciate what he gave you. And we've talked about that when we talked about the issue of tithing and that yeah. kind of thing, because that's what his word says, that that demonstrates your thankfulness to him when you bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's what he says. He says, uh, if you do that, then sh uh, and pr prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I would not open you up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough to receive it. So really, those four things, they're very simple in concept. The problem is we have selfish natures. Mm -hmm. So because we have selfish natures, we have a difficult time dealing with that concept. So you're right. We don't want to hear it, and we didn't hear it the first time, and, <laughs> and that's why we are where we are right. You know, when we get the chastisement. It may, it, may, it, it, may, it may come up in a different way each time, but that's really what it all boils down to is one of those four things. Yeah. Now let's talk about um, the praise aspect. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say, it is hard, and I'm going to admit, it's hard mm -hmm. to sit down and think and praise God when you're catching pure hell. Mm -hmm. And it's just hard to do. It's like, because you're not even in the mood to be happy if you're going through something. Mm -hmm. You know, let's say, for, you know, cause we had a, you know, a lot of deaths at mm -hmm. Enoch, mm -hmm. you know, you're not in the mood to be happy. So therefore, like you sit down to say, I'm supposed to, you know, pastor told me in the pulpit when I'm going through something, praise God. But I'm just telling you right now, uh, Pastor Daniels, it ain't in me. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have, I can, I can fake it. Mm -hmm. Now I can go, 
and say the words, but I know there's no real feeling behind it. Mm-hmm. How do we get past that, especially if we felt like God had something to do with it? Well, let me say this, uh, um, that um, the fact that I am going through and then to use that as a reason for not praising God really says more about my uh, misunderstanding of my own truth than it does about God. And let me tell you why I say that. Let's say I get 40 years incarcerated for a crime I did not commit. Right. 40 years. And let's say I'm locked up in segregation isolation. Okay. And let's say while I'm locked up there, the, 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 the uh, correctional officer that's over that section comes to me and say, hey, aren't you um, the guy that used to go to Enoch Baptist Church? Yeah, I'm the one. Look, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but um, let me give you this cell phone so you can call home every once in a while. Would I thank him? Mm-hmm. Would I praise him for it? Yeah. Am I still locked up? Yeah. Do I still have 40 years? You still got 40 Do years. Am I still in solitary confinement? <laughs> still in solitary See, confinement. my condition did not change. Right. But I found something to thank the one for that's keeping me locked up. Mm-hmm. Isn't that odd? Yeah. You see, I, my point is that we oftentimes view life in that structure, right? Well, what I got to be thankful for, but we'll thank other people as if they are the ones responsible for what's happening in our life and not God. You know, I, I, I ride my motorcycle. This is hypothetical. I ride my motorcycle. Someone runs a red light. I end up both legs broken, spine crushed, and I can't walk. What I got to be thankful for? Well, right. I could have been dead. Right. I'm thankful that I'm still breathing. Right. Thankful that I got that lawsuit. Got that $4 million in the lawsuit. Right. You know, there's still things to be thankful for. And, and so it is the, and, and see, I think, you know, it's, it's, there's a scene in Color Purple, in the movie The Color Purple, where Suge Avery and, 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 and she, they're walking through a field and she sees these flowers and they're, color, they're, color, they're purple in color. Right. And she says to uh, Whoopi Goldberg, she said, I think it really pissed God off when we don't recognize all the beauty he's put in front of us. Right. Now that's a little thing, right. a wildflower, but she's still saying, I bet it makes God mad if we don't appreciate that. That the irony of it is, is that we will blame God for every negative thing that happens to us and we're still alive and we don't say, I'm glad at least I'm still alive. Right. You know, so my point being is that there's always something to praise God for because in every day of every life, there's something that happens that you have a reason mm-hmm. to say, I wish God would repeat that behavior. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I may not want to get locked up again, right. but I want him to repeat the behavior of having someone help me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want him to repeat the, the behavior of, of giving me food on my table. Whatever it is, there's always something happens in every day that you want God to repeat that behavior for. Right. Now, uh, Give some type of strategies for for people that are going through mm-hmm. and they need to come out of it of for us praising God and getting back back into prayer mm-hmm. to they've back not so much backslid, but they've had a whole lot of issues going on mm-hmm. and they 
they stop coming to church, stop praying, stop doing the things, you know, meditation, worshiping God, and they just completely just got out of it altogether. Mm-hmm. They're done. Not necessarily because they want to be done. It's just that it got so far out of habit that they need a jolt to get back into. Right, right. What's some of the strategy you can, that you can give us to get us back into, back into the groove of things? Well, you know, it's kind of like the Nike commercial. You know, you just do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there really is no, no, no magic formula. See, you know, life is so simple it is scary, you know, for most people because of the simplicity of it. Right. right? Um, now, if church is the only institution, the only institution other than school, <laughs> institutions of higher learning, right. where we say we need a strategy to get back into it. Right. I mean, who needs a strategy to go back to a restaurant and eat? Right. Nobody. Nobody. Not, that doesn't happen. Who needs a strategy to go to the movies? Nobody. Nobody. Who needs a strategy? See, this, right. this, the movie this, come out, you just go you, see you it. You go see it. Right. There's nothing else we need a strategy for. You know, even in education, you know, if you stop going to school, you may feel like, well, I need, you know, but there's no strategy. It's just, what? let me go back and sign up for the class. Let me get back in. Let me, let me go do it. Right. Well, you know, the thing is, why did I stop going to church? I mean, that's, that's the primary thing I look at is why did I stop going to church and why did I stop enjoying church? Here's what happens to most people, not all, but most people. I come to church because I am deficient somewhere. I have a great deficiency. Now, when God takes care of that deficiency, right, right, then I don't need to come to church anymore. Right. So I back away. Right. Once I'm gone for a while, then, you know, like, well, now I've been gone and I go back downhill. Right. When I'm going downhill, I start to blame God. Like God punished me for not coming to church. Right. Wasn't it God punished me for not coming to church? It's just that I stopped doing the things I was doing when I was in church. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and so we, and then weeds start to grow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't, if, <laughs> if, it's, it's like cultivating a garden. Isn't right. It? Yeah. If you if you if you don't keep down some herbicide, right, the weeds will grow. Right. So the thing is, now I'm 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 blaming God. What people oftentimes don't do is this, and this is what I was encouraged people to do who are in church. People who are in church need to understand something. When God supplied my need and blessed me, okay, I came because I had my hands out. Now it's time to take that what I had and reverse the trend and say, now let me become a giver mm-hmm. as opposed to a taker. Because I came because I was hurting and God took care of my hurt and now I'm still looking to take. You know, I, I, can't, te- I can't tell you how frustrating it is for me as a pastor when I hear people say things like this, I've outgrown the church. You right. know, or I'm not getting anything out of it anymore. Right. It's time for you to give. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's time for you to give. It's time for you to become what the church has created in you. And, and you come to church so you can become the person that can contribute. Right. Not the person that can keep taking and taking and taking and taking. Right. That, that's, that's not what a Christian's role ought to be. You know, the Bible says that we should live our life in a way that that people will give our Heavenly Father the glory, you know, mm-hmm. that they will see our good works and glorify God in heaven. Right. But we want to keep taking and taking and taking and taking. Right. Right. And if all you're doing is taking, 
how does that glorify God in heaven? Right. What glorifies God is when you get to that point where God has supplied your need, and now you say, not that, well, now, you know, I ain't growing no more. No, now it's time to help grow somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's time to help others out. It's time to expand. It's time to do those kind of things. So you become an active part of the church as far as helping others to become what they can be rather than you still taking and taking and taking and sucking energy out of the church. Yeah. And then now this is slightly off topic. So how do you handle the person that came in, went from taking to giving to stopping other people from giving? They're, they they yeah. hit a position in church and they're doing well and they got this, you know, the little slither of power that they have. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they stop everybody else from ideas right. from coming up. You yeah. know. That, that's that, that. And that happens. What you're saying is, you know, it happens. Why? Because people are people are selfish, basically. Right. right? And because people are selfish at times, they uh, don't want to allow others to grow. Right, because they want to stay at this position, stay in charge, or what have you. And then there are some that just will get to a place, and that they will back out of the church, and then they'll try to convince other people that their idea for leaving is is what they ought to follow as well. You know, so since I left, you should leave too. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't getting nothing, so you should leave the church as well, or you should do what I'm doing. Uh, and 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 my position basically is this, you know. That it's not for me to deal with them. I mean, that's, that's point one, you know, because the Bible is clear, and that is the sheep don't belong to me. The sheep belong to God, right? right? So when, when people are um, convincing other people not to come to the church, then they are, in effect, um, going fighting against God. They're not fighting against me, and right. I understand that concept. So I let you burn your own bridge. You know, um, that's, that's your thing. If you want to do that, that's your thing. Right. Uh, 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 David said it best when David said, touch not the head of God's anointed and do thy prophet no harm. Even when the prophet is wrong, David made that, that, you right. know, that statement. Right. right. But it has to be frustrating for that to happen. though. If you, if you as a leader, you go through. And you're trying to develop the organization mm-hmm. and get a, a good team together. Mm-hmm. And then you have that one bad apple that just doesn't see eye to eye with you. And then they try to leave to, and take some of the people with them. Right. You know, but you, and they was there for the meetings, there for everything, and saw what vision that you have for the church and where you, you know, mm-hmm. the organization, you know, right. make it universal. It has to be frustrating. Well, to it, deal it, with it, that. it is, but here's the thing. Um, Jesus said it this way too. He said, "If they're not against me, then they're for me." Right. So let let's say let's say they did it not for malicious reasons, mm-hmm. but let's say they did it because they thought they were right. They wanted to start their own church and they wanted to grow and da da da. More power to you. I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll try to help you. Why? Because if you're out there evangelizing people and if people are getting saved and and you're, and you're growing, I'm happy because my job is not to monopolize people. Right. My job is to get souls saved and get them progressing. So wherever they go, if they're growing, I'm happy with it. You know, I'm happy with it. Let's say they do it for malicious reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, like they did it because they want to see me suffer. They want to see my downfall. Right. They have to treat them like Jesus treated Judas. Okay. When, when Judas knew, excuse me, Jesus knew where Judas's heart was. So Jesus said to Judas, basically, what, what, what you going to do? 
do it quick. Go, do it. Right. He, he knew it was going to happen. He said, go. And that's how I treat people like that. Is that and what happened? God took care of Judas. You right. know? And so that's what I, that's what I do. Similarly, is that it, 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 it's, it's not my job to be your dictator. It's not my job to lord over you. The Bible says you can't lord over another person's property. Mm-hmm. And because the people don't belong to me, it's not my job to lord over them in that way. God will handle them. That's the way I look at it. That's what I believe in my heart, that God will handle them. And so for that reason, I let, I let God take control. I let, I let God do it. Um, I, I, my thing is like this. You can't bring down the church. You can't do it. Only God can allow that to happen. So if God decides that he wants the church, to, that, that local church, I should right. say, to no longer be in existence, that's his decision, not mine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if God decides he wants that local church to flourish, it's not a thing anybody can do against it. Not right. one thing. Here's what, there, there's a great uh, 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 gospel mind, great, great religious mind, uh, 2,000 or so years ago. Uh, here's what Gamal said. He said, if, um, be careful, how you attack people that attach themselves to Jesus. He said, because if it is not of God, it will come to nothing. And if it is of God, you cannot bring it down. So be careful because you never want to be the individual that's found fighting against God. Right. You know, so I'm like in the words of, um, uh, what's the gentleman that played, uh, came, they had a mohawk haircut, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, had the muscle-bound guy that had the mohawk haircut. Um, about uh, Brian Blogwell? No, 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 no. And I played football, played on TV. Uh, Mr. T. Mr. T. Yeah. And in the words of Mr. T, yeah. I pity the fool. <laughs> <laughs> I pity the fool that's fighting against God. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it, it, it's, it's a no-win situation. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a no-win situation. And, and the ironic thing is, not only is it a no-win situation, you will eventually come to realize that he is God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that really is missing mm-hmm. in anything. You're, like, you're, you're going to realize it, whether it's the last second of your breath, at some point, while you're living, you're going to realize that he is God. Absolutely. Yeah, the thing, one thing that I have come to appreciate in life is, is simple. I don't care whether you like the people in the church, the pastor in the church, or the deacons in the church. It doesn't mean God dislikes them. Right. You know, and, and so, and, and also, if you consider the Bible, None of the books are written exactly the same. If you look at the prophets in the Bible, none of them are exactly the same. They're all different, different personalities. Even though they dealt with the same group of people, mm-hmm. they're different personalities. What that says to me is this. Everyone doesn't learn the same way. Everyone doesn't get inspired the same way. And so, you know, just because something is right for one person don't mean it's right for another person. So you may leave with good intentions and say, well, you know what? Uh, this church ain't for me. Right. It may not be for you, but that don't mean that where you go is good for the people that you left behind because they may prosper well right where they are, you know, and not by going where you're, you're, trying, you're trying to lead them. 
uh, you know, again, and again, I know this is away from the topic we started out with, but, you know, the, if I believe in the Bible, and that's, that's the real question, I think people have to ask themselves, do I believe the Bible? Do, do, I, do I believe it? And you talked talk about that a little earlier. The Bible says God will appoint pastors according to his own heart, right? We have the concept that you should attach yourself to a local church. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you should attach yourself to a pastor because I appoint pastors according to my own heart right. to lead and guide you. And, and so if the pastor goes, you go. If the mm. pastor stays, you stay. Right. You don't follow every man just because he can preach you and make you, you know, jump up and down and so forth right. and so on. You follow the person that is in the best position to teach you the way they teach mm-hmm. and the way they do things and, and that can care for you the way of who you are. Because you may find a pastor, let's say, that that has phenomenal in his speaking ability, phenomenal, but doesn't have the empathy to deal with your problems. Right. Just, right. You know, because some people will put up with more than other people, you know. And so, so and, and, and being a pastor is not just about, it's not just about preaching, you know. It's, right. it's, a, it's about dealing with everyday problems, those kind of things. So, yeah. Well, that's great insight on that, Dr. Daniels. And thank you again. Um, thank you all for listening. I wish, wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Dr. Yeah. Daniels. Same here. I, you know, Merry Christmas. And I want to encourage anyone that's within the uh, commuting area, um, if, if we don't see you on Christmas Day, please come out, spread the word. We've got a powerful New Year's Eve service uh, that's going to be coming up. We've got a great gospel comedian. He's, he's the baddest guy in a 7579. I tell you right now, yeah. I guarantee you gonna, your throat will be sore from laughing. <laughs> Plus, we've got some great gospel preachers that's going to be there, some great gospel singing. It's just going to be a celebration of Christ on that night. So uh, New Year's Eve at 10 o'clock. Uh, come on out and bring someone with you. All right. Thank you, Dr. Daniels. And thank you. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Until next time.